0: Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. I'm David. This is my lovely wife, Joanna. And there's the wave, the queen's wave. We are Virtual Church Media founders, uh, virtualchurchmedia.com. Tonight, we are in central Florida. We're in a live audience. Everybody say hello. hello. Woo! It's exciting here. Have we been having some fun the last few weeks? Okay, I was kind of a delayed. We had to think about that one. Goodness gracious. Well, we've been having some fun. We love the Lord and the power of His might. Tonight, I have no idea what I'm teaching on, so uh, the Holy Spirit just told me, "Open your mouth and I will fill it. Open your mouth," the Lord says, and I will fill it. We don't speak and try to believe it. We believe, therefore, we have spoken. Is what the scripture says we believe therefore we have spoken often in our walks we see people learn how to name and claim often blab and grab and they try to speak things into existence and there is a biblical way to do it and there's a non-biblical way to do it and so the the biblical way to do it is to get into the presence of god and then god will fill your mouth he will open your mouth he'll fill it we believe therefore we have spoken god confirms his word with signs and wonders following he does not confirm your word he confirms his word and if you're his vessel and his word is in your heart and in your mouth and you're in agreement with him by relationship and you release the word of the Lord out of your mouth. 1 Peter 4.11 says, let each man speak as speaking the very oracles of God. 1 Peter 4.10, 4.11. So we're to speak the very oracles, the the God-breathed message to people. We're called to speak a word in season unto him who's weary. Our words should be like apples of gold in settings of silver. So is a word fitly spoken we're to bring refreshing to people our tongue for psalms 45 1 is the pin of a ready writer we speak those things we have received as touching or being in relationship or proximity or contact with the king if you went into uh the president of your company's office and he said here's what i want you to tell the field you would go with authority from the president, El Jefe, the person with authority, and you're backed by the president of the company, and you go out and release that to the field, whether it's in a memo, whether it's in a video, whether it's in person, whether you go out and tell the clients and the customer base, it's backed by the president or the CEO of the company. However, if the president told you to do that last week, and you had great success with it, and this week you decide to go out and give the field and the customers your own word as if it was his, it wouldn't have the authority. So when we're in relationship with Jesus, when we walk with him and we talk with him in the cool of the day, when we're entangled with him, him in us and us in him, in him we live and move and have our very very being Jesus said, I never do anything of my own. I only do the things that I see the Father do, the things that the Father does in heaven, the Son does likewise on the earth, that it might be done in earth as it is in heaven. John John 5, 19 and 20, I never do anything of my own, Jesus said. I only do what I see or hear the father doing the things that the father is doing the son does likewise see the gifts of the spirit are always moving we're just not always in the spirit to move or flow in them i like what smith wigglesworth said they recorded him as he never wrote a book people wrote books about him had an amazing ministry and healing signs and wonders you know 1900s moving forward and he moved through five moves of the holy spirit most ministers only last one or a maximum of two moves of God. And you want to know who normally persecutes the current move of God?
1: So-called Christians.
0: The people that persecute the current move of God is the group that God used for the last move of God. Because people often get used in a move of God. They get beat up, worn out, tripped up, tangled up. They institutionalize the truth. Their wineskin can't receive the new wine, and they're unwilling to believe that God would choose anyone other than them to be used of the next move. So they throw rocks at it and accuse it and this and that, and it's actually a real move of God. Instead of joining as fathers in the faith with the sons and daughters, help steward and say listen i made this mistake and i made that mistake please don't make this one with pride or the lust of the eye the lust of the flesh the pride of life i want to help mentor you father you in the faith because you're carrying the fresh wine and i want to help give you wisdom as a father because fathers don't go out to battle they father the young men and children don't go out to battle they're raised up by the young men and the mothers So there's little children, young men, and fathers in the faith. You have to know your place when it's time to raise somebody up and to step back and feed wisdom to them. So as Jesus desires that we do what he taught us to do, it comes really out of relationship in hearing his voice, jesus said my sheep hear my voice john 10 27 another that my sheep hear my voice another they will not follow and i know them my sheep know me and i know them you know in israel even today when there's shepherds there's a watering hole and three shepherds will come with three different flocks of sheep And they'll all go down and mix and you're like, oh my God, how are they ever going to untangle those three different flocks? And obviously they're going to mix and one's going to go off with the other and they're not tagged and how is this possible? All of a sudden, one of the shepherds leaves and he calls out to his flock and they know his voice and they all separate from the other two flocks and they follow the shepherd out. Because my sheep hear my voice, and another they will not follow. Do you know how the sheep get to know the shepherd's voice? He's the one that protects them from the wolf. He's the one that risks his life against the lion and the bear, like David did. He's the one that when they become cast, they fall down and they can't get up and they're on their backs. Ma, ma. They call out to him. Ma. They're cast, they're on their backs and they can't get over. And he'll come and he'll set them back up on their feet. And he protects them. And when a sheep continues to run off, the shepherd, because he loves his sheep, will even take his staff that he protected the sheep with from the wolf and the bear and the lion. And as much as it hurts him, But to protect the sheep's life from running off and getting devoured he'll take his staff out and he'll break one of the legs of the sheep and he'll bind it up and then he will carry the sheep on his shoulders while that sheep heals and he'll bond with that sheep that lamb And when that sheep is now well enough to walk again, the sheep loves the shepherd and he never leaves the shepherd again. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and another voice they will not follow. Sometimes when we've been running off, sometimes we have something that may happen and we might have a little break in our walk, so to speak. And the vicissitudes of life might come our way, but he's there to carry us on his shoulders. And we'll bond with him during that time. And we move from lambs running off into the ways of the world to those that have grown close to the shepherd and we know his voice. I think some of us can relate. And if you can't, You will. (laughs) He loves you that much. He scourges every son that he loves. Otherwise, the Bible says, not my words. But if he didn't correct us, he wouldn't be a father. We'd be bastards, which means we're fatherless. King James Version. So God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us way too much to leave us in our current condition. bye Ah. You know what's interesting is the Bible says my sheep hear my voice, and another they will not follow. People say to me, they say, well, David, I don't hear the voice of God. I say, well, do you read the Bible? Well, you know, I, I just, I just don't, I don't understand it. I said, if you ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and to illuminate the Scriptures and give you a hunger and a thirst for His Word, why don't we do that now? I say, and we pray, and the next thing you know, they're they're growing in the Lord because. The Word of God is God speaking to us. Prayer is us speaking to Him. And then as we read the Word and read out of it what it says, and we do what it says, we're being changed into the image and likeness of His Son from glory to glory and grace to grace. When we read something in it and we don't like what it says, we don't do what it says. And we make a doctrinal excuse on why that's not what it means. And so we should never come to the scriptures and you know, when I went to, you know, Bible college and you know, got a four year degree and I'm licensed and certificated to marry and bury and all that other good stuff and got a bachelor's in theology. But I recommend people have a master's in neology, get on the knees and pray because that's where you get to know him. You can have all the theology, but if you don't have neology in private time with God, knowledge puffeth up, but love buildeth up. And I'd rather be around a person who has neology and knows how to get into the presence of God and can only tie a few scriptures together than the person who can quote from Genesis to Revelation or Revelation and around the world again and has no love. And so neology is the key to being in proximity with him where he fills your mouth with his word. And when your mouth is filled with his word, it is live fire and it does uh, damage to the enemy. It brings healing and restoration and the preaching of the gospel goes out. And so as we grow in the Lord and the power of his might, we'll want to be closer to him and we'll want to release more of the word of the Lord. So, interesting doctrine on angels. I've heard all kinds of different doctrines. I've had the privilege of having angelic visitations. You know, they don't happen weekly or anything like that. But the times that I've had angelic visitations, and there's, you know, maybe half a dozen or so, the angelic visitations when an angel has come and appeared and spoken over my life, it's either because there was really rough sailing that I was in and I needed that angelic visitation, Or there was rough sailing ahead and I was going to need that angelic visitation. So somebody says to me, well, David, I wish I had an angel visit me. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, ask God for it, but prepare because the cup of the anointing comes with the cup of suffering. (laughs) You know, if we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. And so we have to measure these things. How much do you really want? God will give you as much as you want. But do you know what you'll have to go through once you get it? Or do you know what you'll have to go through to get it? Because salvation is free. Jesus paid the price. He sponsored you. It wasn't free for him. He hung there and he could have called for 10,000 angels. He paid the price. People say, well, you know, we're not saved by works. I go, well, technically we are. Jesus' work. But not by your works or mine, lest any man could boast. It's the free gift of God. He gave his life for you. Is was hung up for your hangups and mine. He who knew no sin became sin for you and me that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we are saved by works. It was a great work on the cross, but we're not saved by our works. All of our works, Isaiah 64, 6, are like filthy rags. I don't know if you know the original Hebrew translation of the word filthy rags, but it's not a pretty... Illustration, (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. You don't know what it is, you can look it up, you can Google it. If you do know what it is, you know what I mean, but that's what our best day is to God with our works without Him. You know, all of the world's problems can be summed up basically in this, mankind trying to accomplish our God-given callings without God. Mankind trying to accomplish their God-given callings without God is what causes the majority, if not all, of man's problems. Moses was called to be a deliverer of Israel. He went and did it without God, killed an Egyptian. Banished for the 40 years on the backside of the mountain as a shepherd. The Bible says that Moses returned from the wilderness after those 40 years at age 80, the meekest man on all the earth. You want to know who wrote that? Moses. But he could do it because he was under the anointing of the Holy Spirit when he wrote the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Old Testament, known as the Pentateuch, or five, Pentateuch. And that's what Israel and the Jews studied. And Moses said when he returned, he was the meekest man on all the earth. And he was so meek, he was so self-controlled, he could actually write that about himself under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he was only speaking that which the Lord was given him. Isn't that amazing?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when he came back after his little bitty faux pas of murder, <laughs> oopsie, trying to accomplish the God given deliverance anointing without God's anointing, he delivered one and killed one. That's not really that great, is it? When he came back with the rod of God's authority in his hand and he was in lockstep with God, he delivered three million. Ten plagues, and he brought him out with mighty outstretched arm. But it didn't end. He was in lockstep with God. And when you're in lockstep with God, you don't just fight the devil. You just don't fight the people of the world like Pharaoh and his army. You just don't fight pagans. You end up fighting the religious people in your own group that you're leading. They wanted to stone Moses on different occasions. They wanted to go back to Egypt into bondage. Yeah they wanted to go eat boiled onions, leeks, pots of meat, so they could go make a thousand bricks a day without straw. Imagine that. Do you know the freedom in the Lord is amazing, but the burden of freedom is too much for many. When I was in prison for 20 years, you want to know what happened? They told me when I got up, when I went to bed, They told me when I could do movements. When I say movements, I'm moving from one point of the compound to another, just for (laughs) clarification. And so um, they would tell you what you could do, when you could go to dinner, when you could eat, when you would go to sleep, when you would wake up, when you had to go to work. And you want to know what happened to people when they got out? 83% recidivism rate, 83% failure rate, 17% victory. And a lot of the 17% die. So they don't really even count some of them. But I'm fortunate to be a 17%er. And are in that percentage by the grace of God. But this is what would happen. The prisoner would get out. They'd be in buff shape. they working out with weights. They've got education. They even had scripture memory. They memorized 300 scriptures. They had certificates from anger management class and all these different things. And they had parenting classes from behind bars they'd reconciled with their kids and they got out and the burden of freedom was too much nobody told them what time they had to be at work nobody flipped on the lights there was no food provided three hots and a cot they had to now go out and get their own food and now there was additional temptation and the burden of freedom is just too much for many you know why a lot of people that I did time with went to religions other than Christianity is they told me there's not enough structure for me in Christianity mm-hmm. they said I want to be told when I'm supposed to pray where I, I I like the structure of this religion or that religion where it's Hare Krishna 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 Hari Hari Hare Krishna Krishna Hari Krishna, Krishna, I went to their services. Okay, some of them are my friends, so I'm not being I just like it. Just was that's all you had to do, and then you, then Islam, you know, pray five times a day. You're told Christians are told to pray without ceasing, so we do have an instruction, but we're not saved by our prayers. We're saved by a prayer when we accept Jesus, and our name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. But we need more biblical discipline to read the Word and to walk this thing out. But in other religions, they tell you what to do. Whereas in Christianity, you have the liberty to walk as close with Jesus as you want. You can also just hang out and watch Netflix if you want. You can surf Facebook. You can post up political stuff. Call it Jesus. You can offend people and take a stance on this or that. That's not what saves you. What saves you is that relationship with him. Once you are saved, how you walk with him in proximity is how he's released through you into the earth to touch others' lives. Somebody cared enough for you that they put up with my knuckleheadedness. And I tell you what, I was was a tough person to witness to. I had some questions, and I almost turned a few people away from the faith. I mean, I almost broke some people's faith in the process. And I know I was not the easiest person to witness to. So God, in His grace, once I got saved, you know, put some people in my prison cell, and they ended up coming to Christ, you know, pretty quick. Then He started putting knuckleheads in my cell. And I began to reap what I sowed. And, uh put one guy in my cell was going to kill me. That's another story. And he ended up coming to Christ and Satanist in my cell. And he was very interesting and uh, he didn't come to Christ. But two years later, I got a letter kind of through my parents and this and that, and he was impacted during the years, two years earlier, and it just provoked him and he ended up giving his life to Jesus. So sometimes you witness today to somebody and it looks like it's made no impact whatsoever. But the seed went in. Have you ever seen a tree in the middle of a sidewalk when you're riding your bike? Or you're walking down the sidewalk and there's this tree right in the middle of the sidewalk. Like why would they do that? They didn't do that. A seed did that. And there was a crack in the sidewalk and seeds came in and they filled that crack most of them blew away and it rained and all of a sudden one seedling from an elm tree went down into the ground it germinated it came up and it broke up through that little crack in the sidewalk and nobody dealt with it the next thing you know that tree began to grow and it began to break up that hard stone sidewalk that cement broke open and then there's that tree standing firm right in the middle of that broken up sidewalk and people now have to go around the tree when you sow seeds into people's cracked stony hearts you never know when one's going to go in spring up and that stony heart is going to break open with the love of god and a tree of righteousness is going to grow right in the center of them ezekiel 34 36 24-26 through 26 says I will take out your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. I will give you a new heart and I'll put my spirit within you and I will move you from the inside to follow my decrees and to keep my commands. It's a supernatural thing when you really are in Him and He's in you. It's a joy and a pleasure to serve him, and you can bring all your burdens to him. And when you bring your burdens and your fears and your concerns, you might go into the prayer closet angry, frustrated, scared. But When you come out an hour later, you have the calm peace. Somebody once told me, they said, David, they said, courage is simply fear that said its prayers. Why are you so bold? I have fears just like anybody else. You just seem courageous and bold and fearless. Didn't start that way this morning. But once I came out of prayer, we were bold as a lion because the lion of the tribe of Judah finally rose within me. You know, we have to get to the end of ourselves in prayer. What do you mean, David? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) This is what I learned. God doesn't really begin until we get to the end of ourselves. It comes back to that all our righteous works is like filthy rags. If we could do it without Him, we would take the credit. But when we go to Him, God plus one's a majority, there's nothing that can stand before us all the days of our lives. But I learned that even in prayer, God doesn't really get involved in our prayer. Until we get to the end of ourselves in prayer, David. What do you mean? Have you ever been praying? Oh, like she did this, and you know that's going on, and this person did this, and we should call fire from heaven, and God's just waiting. Well, they'll get you know kind of out of gas eventually. See, because you can pray without the Holy Spirit. Most people do. Most, all of us start without the Holy Spirit. We don't want to admit that but we do because if you were to record the first few minutes of your prayers they would either be religious judgmental whining complaining tell the truth shame the devil amen or ouch hallelujah heretic i'm going to preach it anyway (laughs) what happens is when you get through all that stuff and you pause then the Holy Spirit comes alongside to help. And now we started praying without the Spirit our own stuff. We got it out. We we vomited it up. We whined, we complained, we blamed, then we whimpered, and we got done. And the Holy Spirit says, Okay, now we can begin. And then he comes alongside. The paracletos the helper another just like Jesus comes the Holy Spirit you rests upon us and we begin to pray with the Spirit you ever had a hamburger helper it helps your hamburger go farther right right well the Holy Spirit is the helper that's really the hamburger that helps you get out of that other stuff so we're praying without the Spirit which is the flesh or the soulish realm and then when we get to the end of ourselves god then comes alongside and he says okay now i can get involved because if you have a cup full of something and somebody offers you orange juice your cup's already full of something else you don't have room here's my cup lord i lift it up lord fill it up and make me whole what do you mean i've already got something in there what do you mean i got to empty it emptied out i gathered this myself No, this is precious to me. I'm not going to let this go. Here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Fill me up and make me whole. Okay, I'm going to pour out half. I'll take a little bit of you. What do you mean you don't want to do a mixture? I'm not going to empty the whole thing out. What do you mean that's faith? Okay, I'm gonna give you another quarter. I'm keeping a quarter. Here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Fill it up and make me whole. And he begins to pour in, and there's some of us and some of him. And we begin to pray with the Spirit. And there's a mixture, the anointing, and us the anointing and us in the outer courts we just got to get rid of ourselves in the outer courts there's the altar of sacrifice and there's the water labor repent sacrifice and be baptized water that you might receive the gift of the holy spirit you come into the inner courts where the sevenfold candelabra is there and the showbread symbolic of the word of god And the altar of incense which is symbolic of praise and then we begin to pray with the spirit and our words become an entanglement of ours and his ours and his and what happens is when we say something that are his there's power on it when we say something that's ours we know there's no power and we've got that mixture going on and all of a sudden we start to yield and we realize his words are better than ours And now he begins to flow through us. We begin to see things in the spirit. We begin to hear things. We begin to see things differently. We have a different perspective about the person that in the outer courts, we wanted to call fire from heaven on. Now we see their wounds and their pain. And now we have the father's compassion for them. They're no longer our assailant. They're a wounded person that needs help. And we begin to pray mercy upon their lives. And we begin to get a love for them. And then boom we get invited into the Holy of Holies, where deep calls unto deep. At the noise of his water spout, all of his waves and billows go over us. Psalms 42, 7. As the deer panteth over the water brook, so my soul panteth after thee, O Lord. And now all of a sudden, we're no longer praying with the Spirit. Now we're praying in the Spirit. And what's flowing out of us is amazing. And we can't believe what's coming out of our own mouth. And there's this bubbling flow and there's this authority and it's calm and it's forceful in the lord and satan is now in trouble because it's no longer us battling him in the arena of reason now it's him being forced to face christ in us the hope of glory and his word goes forth and does not return void but it accomplishes what it's been sent forth to do We must get to the end of ourselves as quickly as possible so that God can begin. Somebody says, well, I don't have that much time to pray in the morning. Good, get to the end of yourself quickly so the prayers become powerful quickly. There was a woman, matter of fact, the Bible that I have, 1995, I was giving Bibles away. That's how the Bible ministry was birthed when I was in Miami on my third indictment on the same evidence for stolen King Air 300, jet airplane, but down there, <coughs> full ride scholarship, your tax dollars were definitely at work. And I was giving Bibles away. And finally, she sent me a Bible because she'd heard. And her her son was my roommate. He, he was a high-end car thief in the feds. One, one day, he stole five cars in a day, him and his partner. Wow. Like, you know, high-end Porsches, Lamborghinis. I said, what's the most you ever stolen? in one day, he goes, five. I said, you stole five cars in one day. He goes, yeah, it was a little over the top. He goes, but that was our best day. He goes, but yeah. Anyway, I see him on Facebook now. And he's always at his mother's grave posting up pictures of his mother's grave because he misses his mother. And she, would, she led a lot of the Miami Vice people to Christ at her nursery school. And they would drop their children off. Miami Vice, uh, like Don Johnson, that kind of thing, the, the, the actors on that show. And so they, they loved her nursery school and she raised them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord and they saw these wonderful changes in the, in the children. And they said, we've never been to uh, you know, a nursery school like this, you know, they just love coming here. And she started every single day with one hour in the prayer closet before she would start her day. She also owned a trucking company. She owned the trucking company for 20 years. Not one accident, and not one load was ever stolen. Yeah, 20 years. And she had five rigs. And so she made money of doing that. And she had a, a rig stolen one time. I don't know if there was lobsters on it or whatever. I forget what it was. And so the guy came back, and his, his rig had been stolen. But she said, we're going to pray, and God's going to find it. And they found that somebody had grabbed it, and moved it all the way around intentionally so they wouldn't know where it, because a lot of the rigs looked the same. And they changed the plates out, and they ended up finding it. So even that, they recovered. And the insurance company called her, and they said, we don't understand. You know, They thought maybe she's laundering money, and she doesn't really have this. Maybe she's got a cocaine operation. She said, what is this secret that you've never you know, filed a claim in all these years? She says, oh, God protects all of my vehicles. And she says, I pray one hour every morning before I start my nursery school. And, she, and then she would take calls and whether there's problems. and she was, But she never had a single claim in 20 years because Jesus was her partner in business. And she was a single mom. And her son had gone the way of the world. But when you train up a child in the way they should go when they're older, they'll not depart from it. And even today, I see him posting up regularly. He misses his mom. He says, this was a true woman of God. And everybody knew her as a true woman of God. Isn't that great when people remember you? When you step into eternity, the impact of the seeds into your life. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet still knuckleheads, he demonstrated his love to us. He... How God was in Christ reconciling the world back to Himself and it's committed unto us, the same ministry of reconciliation. How God was in Christ not imputing or holding their sins against them. Even so, He's called us and empowered us with that same ministry of reconciliation. So when you see somebody who's in knucklehead status, They might even be in super knucklehead status on steroids. God loves them just the way they are. Will you demonstrate the love and allow those seeds to go into the cracks in their stony heart, not knowing when they'll come up and bring forth a tree of righteousness out of their life, and they'll have their own road to Damascus experience with Jesus. And they'll get knocked off their high horse of pride like many of you and I were knocked off our high horse of pride as God delivered us on our road to Damascus from our Damascus friends. Amen. You got to say that fast, right? Okay. (laughs) So we're going to pray tonight and we're going to ask the Lord to bring us to a place where we begin to hear his voice more clearly, where we get to the end of ourselves in prayer more quickly so that he can begin... Because it's okay to pray without the Spirit to start with to get it out of your system, to get it out of your soul, so that once we get to the end of ourself, he might now come alongside and help. And remember, he's there the whole time. He's just waiting for us to get done with our stuff so he can give us his perspective. See, we have an earthly perspective. We only see horizontally of what's going on we see in snapshots. God sees vertically looking down and he sees the whole motion picture. Who would have thought Saul of Tarsus, who's out murdering Christians by giving authority to go out and capture those that are of the way and to bring them in prison and to stone them to death, and he's authorized to do it. Who would think that that guy who's killing your brother and your sister and putting your nephew and your grandfather in prison, who would be praying while you're getting stoned like Stephen was while Saul of Tarsus is holding the tunic so they don't get blood splatter on him when the stones hit the head and knock the pieces of the skull out and the blood splattering back. That's that's how they would stone people. They'd often put them in a pit and they'd throw the stones down and boom, boom, and the blood would splatter. I'm sorry to be so graphic, it's part of my <laughs> theological training, but it, it makes it real, doesn't it? Yeah. Or they would put him against a wall and they would hit him with the stones, but often there'd be people on top, and they'd be hitting them from the top, and this person would be and the blood. So that's why Saul, good old Saul, was holding that stuff so they didn't have to go to the dry cleaner and and uh, you know, they didn't have blood on their hands, so to speak. And and so Stephen wasn't in the flesh while his flesh was being pounded he wasn't praying with the spirit with a mixture of his words and the holy spirit's words when he was getting stoned stephen was in the spirit john the revelator said i was in the spirit on the lord's day you can pray without the spirit you can pray with the spirit or you can pray in the spirit and stephen was praying in the spirit while he's getting stoned And he says, Lord, as he knelt down, he says, Lord, do not hold this sin to their charge. And Jesus stands up, standing at the right hand of the Father. He gets up off his throne, and I can just see him looking down. Look at how much of me is in him. He's so yielded to the Holy Spirit. When I was on the cross, I said, Lord, forgive them, they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. You sent the Holy Spirit. Duplication, it's happening. The earth is being harvested with the gospel message of love. Mm -hmm. Let's go down next week and meet Saul on the road to Damascus. What do you say in response to Stephen's prayers? What do you say we go ahead and meet him on the road to Damascus? I'm gonna palm heal him right there. And I'm gonna blind him with the light. How about that? Father's like, I like that, that's good, that's good. He'll see what great things he must suffer and be persecuted for my name's sake. Let's bring Stephen home for the reward. Give him a martyr's crown. And let's have Saul, right? Two-thirds of the New Testament. What do you think of that? <laughs> That's what happens when you pray in the Spirit. Those dramatic conversions happen. Mm-hmm. When you pray with the Spirit, some conversions happen. When you pray without the Spirit, mm-hmm. you get victory in court and call it Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or human relations. Amen matter, out. Ouch. Amen. 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 I'm either anointed or annoying, (laughs) not sure. Hey, maybe the anointing is troubling the demons in you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, anyway, that's a joke. Okay. (laughs) If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You know. So, how many want Holy Spirit power that changes lives? Are you willing? To enter the school of the spirit. Are you willing to enter that level of training? Are you willing to go green beret style? Because if you suffer with him, you shall also reign with him. Beloved, think it not strange concerning concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But when you're persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ, happy are you. For the Spirit of God and glory resteth upon you. Mm-hmm. On their part, He's evil spoken of, mm-hmm. but on your part, He's glorified. But let none of you suffer as an evildoer, mm-hmm. or a thief, or a murderer, mm-hmm. or as a busybody in other men's matters.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow, it kind of puts those couplings together murderer, busybody in other people's matters. In Italian, I think they call it a, a nosy babuni, like you get your nose. Right in people's business. People sometimes call me on the phone. Well, I call for prayer for this and that, you know, because so and so did this and so and so did that. I'm like, wow. Okay, let's go ahead and pray. And they're like, okay, where are we going to pray? Lord, if Billy Bob is in error, correct him and change Billy Bob. And if Jimmy Boy here is in error, correct you correct and change Jimmy. But change both of them into the image and likeness of Jesus. Silence on the other end of the phone. Is it possible that Billy Bob's not 100% wrong and Jimmy Boy's not 100% right? Could it be 95-5? Could it be 90-10? Could it be 70-30? Could it be 50-50? Takes two to tango. What did Billy Bob have in common with Jimmy Boy that would cause them to have that problem to start with? Was it un Realistic expectations in a business deal? Was it a woman and a man with different expectations? And they never asked the Lord because they weren't praying with the Spirit and they weren't praying in the Spirit, but they were praying for their own desires. And they got what they wanted. They just didn't know what came with it. point to ponder. We better close because I might get into some stuff I shouldn't open the door to. (laughs) Let's pray. Let's stand. We are going to get a fresh dose of fire tonight because we need it for the things that are coming upon the earth. When the Isaiah 60 anointing comes, You ready when the Isaiah 60 anointing comes? When darkness fills the earth and gross darkness, the people, the spirit of the Lord will rise upon thee. If we turned off all the lights right now in here and I simply turned on my phone camera light, it would shine in the room. But if I turned it on now with light shining, you could hardly see it. Well, when darkness comes even the smallest light shines out i've got news for you we're going to have a bright light and it's going to be gross darkness
1: amen
0: and god's going to make a distinguish he's going to distinguish between his people amen. just like he did in egypt the egyptians had darkness the israelites had light the egyptians had plagues of frogs The Israelites had no frogs. The Egyptians that worshipped the pagan gods, they had lice. The Jews had no lice. The water was turned to blood, and they could not drink it on the Egyptian side. But the Jews, the slaves, they had miracle provision of clean water. And they put the blood on the doorposts and the lintels, And they put it like this. They took the blood of the lamb at the first Passover and they slapped it up on the top. And they slapped it up on the lintels. You see the cross even in the Old Testament in the Passover lamb. And when you put the blood on the doorposts and the lintels, with communion, his blood shed for you and me, The death angel comes to look, says that one has the blood on it, I have to pass over. No plague shall come nigh thee. You will not fear the arrow that flieth by day, nor the terror that cometh by night. You will say of the Lord, he is my rock and my salvation, he is the one in whom I trust. And the word Passover means not just to pass over those that have put the blood on the doorpost and the lintels, for you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, and the Spirit of God dwells in you. But it also means to rest upon. So you don't just have the death angel passing over, you have the Holy Spirit hovering upon you. That's the promise. You're sealed with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost dwells in you, and you can walk with Him and talk with Him and hear his voice and open your mouth and he will fill it. And it may be the first few words that come out might be you, but if you'll yield, it'll be a mixture of you and him. Hamburger and hamburger helper, and he's the beef. And then eventually the pure word of the Lord will flow out like rivers of living water will flow out of your belly. John seven thirty-seven through 39. And the power of God will then go forth he'll command his angels regarding you and the angels will then hearken under the voice of his word that's come out of your mouth you're not commanding angels around it's the voice of the lord going through you and they're responding to his voice in your voice because you're in relationship and proximity with him working from him not for him because you are in him and he is in you let us pray Lord, we desire more fire. We desire more love. We desire more relationship. Transform us. Yes. We pray yes. into the image and likeness of your Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. We thank you with unveiled face. 2 Corinthians three seventeen and 18 says, we are changed into the image and likeness of Jesus by the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for working with us and having patience with us to where we know your voice and another we will not follow because you've carried us on your shoulders. We thank you for carrying us and growing us from lambs to sheep and mature fathers in the faith and mothers in the faith that others might see Jesus through our lives and that we might be those that pray with the Spirit and pray in the Spirit. And when the word goes forth from our mouth, it will be your word that does not return void, but it accomplishes what it's been sent forth to do because you confirm your word with signs and wonders following. Those in agreement said, Amen Amen and Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that's been another night, Virtual Church Media. I'm David. My wife is not there, so I'll wave for her. She's working on the Women of Royalty Conference, April 29th and 30th in Orlando, Florida, womenofroyaltyconference.com. Come on down. It's going to be a great two days, and the glory of God is going to come. We'll see you later. Visit us online at virtualchurchmedia.com. Bye-bye.